Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and today we're talking about congenital or birth defects. We'll discuss how common they are and what can be done to help them. What is a plastic surgeon's role? Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and my opinion. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but instead you can use it to gain insight about a particular topic and hopefully learn a few things. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. Congenital deformities and birth defects. What are they? The word congenital means around the time of birth. So these are deformities, abnormal growths, or body parts that fail to develop, and they typically present either during pregnancy or after birth. Many of these are caused by genetic mutations, which you could think of as hiccups in the coding of our DNA, though sometimes nutritional deficiencies or other environmental factors during pregnancy are thought to play a part. The CDC reports 3% of babies born, that's roughly one in every 33, will have some type of birth defect. That sounds like a lot. But keep in mind that some of these are minute and hardly noticeable. And still others are so devastating they can't support life and therefore do not result in a live birth. For our purposes in this episode, we're narrowing the scope of discussion way down to just the problems that a plastic surgeon might treat. Along that line, which congenital anomalies could result in a plastic surgeon being called to help? Well, the sheer variety might surprise you. So to organize our talk, let's break it down by body part. We'll start with the head and face, or craniofacial problems. The most widely recognized issues here are clefts, C-L-E-F-T-S. Cleft means split. You may have heard the colloquial term hair lip, hair as in rabbit. By the way, an interesting aside, rabbits have a naturally split upper lip, which is thought to allow easier use of the oversized upper teeth, as well as to allow more air to enter the nasal chambers, helping them smell predators. Anyway, back to clefts for humans. The most common type of cleft birth defect is cleft lip, followed by cleft palate, and then, less commonly, facial clefts. The palate is the roof of the mouth, and is what separates the mouth cavity from the nose cavity. Now, our lips are formed during the second month of pregnancy, and the palate forms slightly later. But sometimes they don't develop properly, and a cleft can result. In the U.S., close to 1 in 2,000 babies born will have either a cleft lip or a cleft palate or both. And the split can range from being partial, like maybe a notch, to full length. When the palate is cleft, it opens into the nose, which can impair feeding for a baby and therefore affect its growth. Similarly, a cleft lip can make it difficult to form a seal around a nipple. These cleft deformities can affect speech and swallowing, and also have psychosocial effects. There is a strong hereditary component, so if there happens to already be family history, consultation with a geneticist would be quite helpful. Now, ideally, a cleft lip is treated surgically within the first few months to a year. A cleft palate would be ideally corrected within 18 months, but sometimes children don't have access to the care they need and may grow older with these defects when it's more difficult to correct. And actually, even with surgical correction, the key to best outcome for treating these and other craniofacial defects is a multidisciplinary approach. 
Any given patient may need a combination of speech therapy, swallowing therapy, physical therapy, dental care, and possibly many other specialties in addition to surgery. What else could go wrong in the head and face region? Well, sometimes the ear doesn't form properly or develop at all. This is called microtia. The word root odo means ear, and micro, of course, means small, microtia. For creation of a new ear, a framework may need to be carved out of grafted cartilage from another area, though the challenge can be finding enough extra suitable skin or soft tissue to cover it adequately. This is considered one of the more artistic yet challenging reconstructions for plastic surgeons, and though many times there is great improvement, results can sometimes be disappointing, even in the most experienced surgeon's hands. More commonly, less problematic defects of the ear are seen, such as ear tags that a baby might be born with located in front of the ear, kind of like a rudimentary extra ear part. It's pretty straightforward to excise or remove these on a baby, but care should be taken to also remove the little piece of cartilage that may be sitting at the deep base of the tag that may not be immediately noticeable. Otherwise, it will continue to grow as the child does. Next to consider in the craniofacial region is craniosynostosis. When we are babies, the bones in our skull under the scalp are like slightly curved plates, and they are not yet solidly fused together like they would be as an adult. The reason for that is that there needs to be the ability to expand as we grow into adult size. Got to make room for that growing brain. And it's the reason babies start out with a soft spot at the back of the skull. But sometimes some of the bone plates accidentally fuse too soon, which may mean the skull can only expand and grow on the other side. That's called a craniosynostosis. Now breaking that word down, cranio means head or skull, syn, S-Y-N, means together, ost, meaning bone, and osis, meaning a condition or something wrong. Craniosynostosis. Why does it happen? Sometimes just a single gene may be abnormal, but alternatively, the problem could be related to an entire genetic syndrome with multiple other areas of the body having abnormalities, depending upon which specific syndrome it happens to be. Treatment may or may not have to be quite involved, depending upon the severity of the problem, and may include surgically releasing the prematurely fused bone plate attachments with or without placing additional bone grafts. This is a little different from the concept of plagiocephaly, which just means a flat area of the baby's skull or in a regular shape caused by pressure on that area for a prolonged period of time. Breaking down that word, plagio is ancient Greek for slanted, and cephalo means head. This one-sided skull flattening can occur during pregnancy or develop afterwards. Treatment can often be successful with non-surgical techniques using customized helmet molding. Moving on, areas of the mid-face can be plagued with irregularities or underdevelopment of soft tissue structures and of the underlying bone. That means there can be abnormalities of the nose, cheeks, and upper jaw, for example. And the lower jaw can either be undersized or relatively overgrown, resulting in an overbite or an underbite, respectively. Treatment can be as extreme as cutting and repositioning bones and may take multiple stages, but often makes a significant improvement. Now let's shift to another common area of the body where there may be congenital or birth defects requiring treatment by a plastic surgeon, and that is the hand or upper extremity. 
You may not realize that training during a plastic surgery residency typically includes surgery of the hand as a division of reconstructive plastic surgery. There are so many types of congenital hand abnormalities, but we'll just hit on some of the more common ones here. The most common birth defect of the hand is polydactyly. Poly meaning many and dactyl meaning finger. So polydactyly is too many or extra fingers. Often there is just a rudimentary piece of soft tissue present with no underlying bone in it, and it can be removed or even tied off shortly after birth like a skin tag would be. Other times the extra may be a full-fledged finger, and the surgeon will use best judgment to determine which finger should be surgically removed, especially if it's a duplicate thumb. That decision is based on keeping whichever has the best function. Syndactyly, on the other hand, sorry, no pun intended, means fingers that never separated from each other during development, so they appear fused together. Again, the word prefix syn means together. This could be just two fingers, or it could involve multiple. Surgical treatment is not as simple as just separating the fingers with a straight line incision. No, that will lead to scar contractors in later life. Actually, specially oriented incisions and skin flaps must be carefully designed and carried out to have the best results, so the procedure can be challenging. By the way, if you're interested in learning more about what a tissue flap is, take a listen to the previous episode, number 24. Timing of surgery is usually within the first two years of life, depending upon the extent of involvement. You don't want the child's hand used to be impaired or restricted by this tethering as he or she grows. And another main category of congenital hand defects is hypoplasia, meaning the underdevelopment or complete absence of a structure. Hypo means less and plasia refers to growth. This could involve shortened or even absent bones and soft tissue structures as well, and it could be limited to the fingers or involve much of the hand and forearm. A particularly concerning one, however, is the absence of the thumb. Think about how much we use our thumbs for everything. And don't forget the thumb is a specialized digit that we can move directly opposite to face another digit on the same hand. This natural anatomy gives humans the ability to use tools and manipulate objects. It's what separates us from the less developed animals. Reconstruction of an absent thumb for a child can be a challenge and may involve a procedure called polycization. Polycization means surgically repositioning the index finger to now become a thumb. The word prefix pollux means thumb. It's a pretty cool concept, and the index finger is rarely missed because the next finger, the middle finger, takes over function to become the new index finger. Results can often be remarkably good as young children tend to adapt much easier than an adult would. Well, we've talked about congenital abnormalities of the head and face and of the hand. What about the rest of the body? Where else might a plastic surgeon's input be needed? One area of concern, which is more common than you think, is the underdevelopment of one breast as compared to the other. Now, I'm not talking about just a little size difference from side to side. In fact, actually no adult woman has the exact same size and shape breasts from side to side, though some may be quite close. Poland syndrome is an entity described by, you guessed it, a man named Sir Alfred Poland when he was a medical student during a cadaver study. For our purposes here, the syndrome refers to the incomplete development or lack of development of one breast, but it can also go beyond the breast and include limited development of the hand and the absence of some chest and shoulder muscles. Regarding the breast, of course, the differential size would not be noticed until after puberty.
treatment could include an augmentation procedure for the problem side, such as with an implant. Or if the involved breast wasn't completely absent and the opposite breast happened to be too large anyway, sometimes a breast reduction can be done on that opposite side to even things out more. Of course, you would want to wait until the breasts had stopped growing completely so that surgery would not be premature and need to be repeated later due to future growth. The growth endpoint is usually indicated by bra size not changing for two years. Most times it's difficult to have an insurance company cover this type of surgery even though it's related to a birth defect, so patients' families must realize it could be a self-pay procedure. By the way, if interested in more in-depth information about breast augmentation, listen to episode 4 of this podcast. And for breast reduction information, try episode number 9. Another part of the body where a birth defect could require the assistance of a plastic surgeon is on the back, when a baby is born with a myelomeningocele or spina bifida. Bifida comes from bifid, which means split in two. The spine doesn't fully enclose the spinal cord nerves, so they can protrude from the back in a fluid-filled sac bulging from the skin and be vulnerable. This may occur in perhaps one out of every 1,600 births. Typically, a neurosurgeon would do the repair needed for the spinal cord, but then there still may be a sizable wound without enough skin to cover. And you guessed it, that's where a plastic surgeon could assist in wound closure by creating a muscle or skin flap from the nearby area to cover the important structures safely. And one final area we'll discuss today, where plastic surgeons are quite commonly involved for congenital abnormalities, is the broadest area of all, and that's the skin. Birth defects of the skin can range from strange-looking moles, or what we call nevi, some with hair growth, to skin cysts, to even growths made up of a lot of little blood vessels, such as a hemangioma. Type of treatment and timing of treatment vary widely, depending upon the expected behavior of each different type of lesion. And here's where the physician's guidance can be helpful. For some of these lesions, it's best to consider removing them earlier in life before they get too large and become more difficult to remove. For others, however, like a hemangioma, it's often best to wait, unless it's causing a functional problem, because many of them will start to shrink and go away over the next few years. Well, there you have it. We've covered quite a few congenital problems for which treatment will likely involve a plastic surgeon, and it's a broad range indeed. While a lot of improvement can usually be accomplished currently, there are limitations. So it's exciting to think about the possibilities for advancement in treatments that the future surely holds. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.